If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Yes, it is true. We are back with another episode of the Leading Learning Podcast, specifically episode 33. And this time around, we're fortunate to talk with Tamer Ali of Your Membership, or more specifically, YM Learning, the learning division of Your Membership. And YM Learning and Your Membership are sponsors of our spring event, Learning Technology Design. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention up front that you can get more information about LTD, as we call it for short, at ltd.leadinglearning.com. And we're thrilled to have your membership as a sponsor of that. It's really you know helping to make the whole event possible. And the whole thrust of that event is to help professionals in the business of continuing education and professional development basically make their businesses better. So, Salisa, you were the one who had the chance to catch up with Tamer. I know I always like talking with him. He's a uh, you know, he's got his company out there. He's been in this business for a long time. He was a founder of Digital Ignite, which got acquired by your membership. And I know he's just been, he's been tuned into what's been going on with learning and technology and design for, you know, an awfully long time. He also just knows an awful lot about this market for lifelong learning, uh, about what trade and professional associations are doing, how they could potentially be doing it better. And I'm sure he must have had some interesting things to say. He did indeed. Uh, yeah, Tamer's been uh, kind of working with education technologies for a dozen years or so, and so we talk a little bit about some of the differences that he's seen in his time working in the space, what's happened to the learning landscape. Um, we also talk about some of the emerging trends, so things like virtual reality and you know what their impact could be on, on the future of, of learning. Um, we also touch on data, because I know that he's uh, really interested in data and really being able to to take um, not just uh, kind of gut level decisions, but being able to okay look at what is it that comes out of uh, the various systems that support learning. What does that tell us about what we should continue to do or what we should be doing differently? And then we also talk just a little bit too about um, uh, learning management system success. You know, what is it? Mm. Uh, what's involved in in making a good selection and then getting um, a, a platform up and, and running and maintaining it well? Because again, I know he has a lot of experience in that space, and I know that that's something that many of our listeners are are, are dealing with is how to go about finding that right uh, technology solution, or once they have identified it, how to to make the most out of it. So all in all, it was a it's a fun conversation, and I think folks will. Uh, enjoy hearing what Tamer has to say. Well, like I said, I, I always enjoy talking with Tamer. He always has uh, insights, and I think he contributes a lot to the field that we work in. So, looking forward to hearing this interview, and let's let's go ahead and roll it. I'm Salisa Steele, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Tamer Ali, and Tamer is Senior Vice President at Your Membership and General Manager of Cloud Software Products there. Tamer was a founder of Digital Ignite, which was acquired by Your Membership, and he has a long history of working in education technologies. So, Tamer, thank you for making time for this conversation. Well, thank you for having me, Salisa. It's an honor. Well, so I shared just a very small amount of information about your membership and yourself. Um, so would you tell us a little bit more about your membership? Definitely. Thanks. Uh, you know, in short, 
we help organizations run better and engage their audience more effectively. So we have a suite of technology and services that we offer to the market. Uh, we consider them leading in the market and the places that we work, membership management and CRM, career centers, uh, media sales, and a, you know, a team of people who do the sales, and uh, a leading learning management uh, component as well, which is where I came from. We've, just to give you a sense, we're serving about 20 million people, audience members from over 4,300 organizations. So, um, you know, we're, our, our reach is considerable and, uh, you know, every day is a, a, an experience and a learning experience for what we do. Right. Absolutely. Sounds like with that many users and that many organizations, it a, represents a broad spectrum of, of experiences. And so, you know, as I mentioned in that brief introduction, you do have a long history working in education technologies. And so one thing I'm interested in is that when you look back at where things were when you got started a, a dozen or so years ago, and, and then look at where they are today, you know, what differences jump to mind? What do you see as the most important and defining changes in the learning landscape? Yeah, well, I, I love this question. And I think it, it, the biggest thing, it, it made me ponder, you know, when I think about this, it's like, I, you you're always part of constant change when you're in technology and especially in learning technology. But what felt, what has happened in the past 10 years is that it's been legitimized. When we first started getting into this space, you know, we were relegated to, you know, essentially a corner called CBT or computer-based training. And it, it, I mean, just by the name itself, it sounded really stodgy and formal <laughs> painful. And I was it, almost like, you know, a, a robot unit called CBT. That's, those are the guys that use computers to teach people. And we don't really think that really works, but we'll, we'll give them a chance. <laughs> and now it's not the wise. And we were actually justifying our existence 10 years ago as, you know, let's, let's show you that there are returns turns on this. Uh, and uh, uh, what's changed, which is a great thing, is that, especially in the last five years, is that as a rapid adoption and industry credibility of delivering, techno- delivering learning over technology uh, from, from the early years, you know, uh, kindergarten through, you know, uh, the, the K through 12 era to uh, postgraduate stuff, uh, adult learning and, you know, professional education, we feel that it's reached a, a moment of adoption that uh, I think kind of we've kind of slept on it because we've all just been part of this wave and really not stepped back and said, hey, you know, this is a good point in our history that we've gotten to a point where uh, we're okay to be in that room now and we weren't in the past. Yeah, no, I, I definitely hear what you're saying about it. It kind of was this subset, you know, and right, your whole it's CBT or it's e-learning or it's, you know, it's something that sort of, in some way diminishes the fact that no really it's about learning you know it, it overemphasizes the the medium rather than kind of the the goal of what you're driving at exactly that's a great way to put it and so you know when you think about these uh you know changes in learning you know is there um a particular trend or development in particular that you find yourself drawn towards that you see as really having great potential for Im- improving learning well, you put up one. The, the key point is that you know these are means to an end, and you know we, we've moved away from just emphasizing the delivery technology as E, but that there is a variety of techniques to meet the strategic goals of an organization. And so I've I've enjoyed everything that's going on, from the proliferation of mobile devices to you know the um, the Internet of Things. We see some very exciting things. I mean, personally, 
I've thought vir- virtual reality is a very cool um, uh, uh, an adoption that we're we're really excited about because it it removes one of the other remaining barriers to people's obje- the objections that we hear about it not replacing the e-learning not replacing some of the things that you could do on a more hands-on classroom basis for example automotive repair or neurosurgery those have been some somewhat untouchable areas for e-learning because you know we've we've worked on recorded media or live uh, media through the internet so it's been difficult uh, now with virtual reality and the promise of that where you know the consumer uh, the adoption will drive the prices down uh, those headsets and the technology behind them uh, there's a lot of promise for those to be adopted in professional education so very exciting yeah, no, I was just uh, actually reading something about Google Cardboard today. And, you know, yeah, when you stop to think about how inexpensive <laughs> those yeah. those things are, you know, that, right, this really is within the, it's with, you know, that's no more than a, a textbook, you know, if you're going to have that as a supplement to, you know, to a course. And so it really does open up possibilities. Um, and so, you know, you, so you've touched on virtual reality, um, you know, uh, any uh, additional thoughts around you know some of the other kind of cutting edge technology advancements? And I'm thinking like artificial intelligence, or you know you, you also mentioned a little bit the Internet of Things. Is there um, you know anything else that you're kind of hearing in that cutting edge technology that that folks are doing, or that you see as kind of a, a an option or a potential um, place to to take uh, those technologies for learning, and, and then for the organizations that are in the business of learning. Yeah, I think it, it, this doesn't mean to deflect the question, but I, I think the key thing is, is bandwidth and uh, processing power. You know, and all the laws around Internet and technology in general is that I guess it, it all roots down to processing power. Chip power is becoming so incredible. That virtual reality is possible. We could do live video streaming through technologies like that, you know, Facebook facilitates like Periscope and, you know, just the Internet of Things. I mean, so I, we, we look at, you know, our potential clients. I mean, we serve, you know, the Congress of Neurosurgeries. We, we have the ability now and it's well within reach to do, you know, virtual reality practice for residents too. And on the Internet of Things, we think that, that there is a lot of promise there with things like, you know, that we've seen. Like one of our clients, Intel, they've shown us things where they've embedded chips uh, because they're so powerful and so small into even a baby pajama, a onesie, where that onesie is reporting the vitals of the baby so that they can be preventative against SIDS or, you know, sudden infant death syndrome. So we love that, is that the, the power of the chip is getting so, uh, so high and the bandwidth is getting so incredible that we can do things that we've never done in the past. That drives the cost down to do things like using the cloud and Amazon, where in the past we've spent tens of thousands of dollars to you know, deliver over the web, to even you know, doing something like the virtual reality for you know, doctors and residents. You know, the things that we can do at the cost that we can do them um, is really what's exciting right now. No, it's a great point though about right the kind of the processing power and 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 the costs that really have now put these things much more within within reach than they, you know, we've been talking about them for a long time, but you know now it's seeming to become more and more of a reality or within within reach. Yeah, definitely. And so you know, kind of related to this because you know we 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 get some of this through the 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 processing power of things, but, you know, so we're, we're getting data now and, and we have um, more access to data. And I know that you're kind of uh, 
keen on data and, and maybe more precisely the business intelligence and, and insight that, that data can offer an organization. And I know that because you wrote a commentary on that topic for um, our, our most recent edition of the uh, Association Learning Plus Technology Report, and I'll make sure that we include a, a link to that report in the show notes. But, you know, maybe you can just talk a little bit about what you see as the role of data in learning. Yeah, it's another great time for us. I think this is our time in the limelight, uh, us meaning the, the learning technology uh, professional, because we finally have, and what's come up is the technology capability to substantiate our work, meaning we have data that proves the validity of our work and will bring us to the strategic roundtables in our, our organizational offices and planning. So it, it, it's, uh, it behooves us to take this data and use it to prove our work or to help plan future work. Uh, analytics will show what a video does and how it works or doesn't work. Uh, it'll help us in assessment and assessment, you know, drill and practice. Uh, what does that help us sh- show in terms of improvement of behavior? And on the healthcare side, it helps us, you know, with uh, quality of improvement. These these activities are now supported with a wealth of data, and most of it is free or within the LMS capabilities or outside tools, you know, from Google Analytics to the, uh, the own LMS's capabilities to track, you know, activity of a learner or participant activities in, in courses. Uh, we love this in the fact that if our clients use this, there is proof in that, uh, yeah, in, the, in, the, in the details we'll find things like improvement of behavior, uh, improvement of sales activity, satisfaction ratings, completion rates, you know, even change behavior with a patient. Those are data points that we can now take out of the system. You know, back in, we, if we use the term before, the CBT days, all we cared of is something completed, right? Uh-huh. We, sent, we sent over a CD and if they paid us, we were happy. And, <laughs> you know, but now it's like we know all that data. And wouldn't it be great if we can use that data? So I think that gives us a little bit more. I think in the past, the learning professional was a little bit beat up in the corporate boardroom, in the organizational boardroom, because we didn't have the data. Now we have the data to prove that we're doing the right things. We need to use it. It's important that we do. And so that data exists and is there and it can be used. In your experience, though, do you see organizations using it as fully as they can? And and I guess that's... This is kind of a leading question. I, I guess I feel like from a lot of conversations that we have that 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 organizations aren't either fully aware of the data that they do have access to or there's some sort of, um, I don't know, maybe even cultural reluctance to kind of make use of that data. And maybe it's because the fear of what it might show <laughs> that it's, you know, that that video isn't as effective as we thought it was or, you know, or that learning in- intervention, whatever it is. I mean, are you seeing any reluctance or, or, or sort of slowness to, to fully embrace the, the data and make use of it? Yeah, I think that, that you're, you're right on. I think there's a part reluctance because the fear of what that data reveal. I would argue that there's never bad data. There might be discouraging data in some cases, but that will help us avoid those same mistakes in the, in the future. Uh, so I, I would argue that even if it looks like some video is not working, that sure saves a lot of time and energy and costs in the future. Uh, and I think that there are slow adoption cycles too. And, and that's just uh, the nature of just work in general is that we, we, we typically do that. But uh, both are factors against uh, adoption right now. And I think that the, those could both be easily uh, tackled and uh, uh, overcome. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's definitely worth pursuing. We we can't be afraid of what we might learn. Right. Uh, 
And so, you know, you mentioned in terms of the data, and you mentioned a learning management system as, as one place where there's, there's data. Um, but so far, I've really been asking kind of bigger picture questions about learning and technology, but you do have a lot of experience um, specifically with organizations as they are looking for a learning management system and then helping organizations uh, implement and launch and, and maintain an LMS. And so I just wanted to ask you for any you know, lessons learned about kind of the effective use of an LMS uh, or any uh, you know, tips for successful use of an LMS or, or, or on the other side, pitfalls to, to avoid. Yeah, it's another good one. We, we, we wish we could talk about this each time when we roll out. But I think, you know, out of all the things that we've learned, and we've made a lot of mistakes and we've learned from them, and uh, we do feel like we have a very competitive and the most competitive offering in the space, I think the one thing that, that has been the rule across all things is simplicity is beautiful and that uh, we, we recommend building in iterations Focusing on a key deliverable that everybody agrees to, that you could count on the, your fingers on your hand on one hand, uh, what those deliverables will be as a first release. Now, that might not be something that you advertise to the public. It might not be something that ultimately you put out uh, as the final product. But what it is, it is builds momentum. And what we have to look at it is it's worth scaffolding and that uh, one release after another will build the momentum necessary and it also calibrates feedback to the point where you're not uh, just waiting for the last minute releasing at the annual conference because that's nine months away and that's a good landmark to think about that could be the ultimate destination but in between the nine months that's a lot of increments that we could release in and we typically recommend to have the integration done you know, the key systems of record be integrated and have the common user flow. You know, at the baseline, people are going to come look for activities and education items and launch them and track and watch their scores. So it, those basic experiences should be flowed out and, and, and developed as a first release. And we look forward to doing that with most of our clients. The ones that do are highly successful, and we see that in, in all the key metrics that we watch. And those that don't do st struggle and, you know, they, they kind of correct as they go. But uh, we, we feel that that is the, the, the best recipe for success. All right. So a recommendation to, to keep it simple and to be really focused and clear on what it is you want to achieve um, and, and build from there. That's, That's great. right. So this is the, the next to last question. It's one that we ask uh, everyone here on the Leading Learning Podcast. So tell us about your approach to developing your own talent and, and maintaining your knowledge and skills. Well, uh, this shouldn't sound like I've been heavily planned because I've learned a over many mistakes and how to do this. But I think I've learned to harvest information from everywhere I can. And I, I, I do see myself as a harvester. I save articles and PDFs when I can and um, put them into uh, iBooks uh, from the Apple uh, operating system to save and read when I can on the multiple devices. I have also set up a box folder, a box.com set and Dropbox where I can email myself uh, articles that I want to read. And my, my favorite tool is a, a, a free website called Readability. It's spelled just like as if you would um, guess spelling it, readability. And it basically allows you to save uh, web articles and review them later or do that when you may not have a connection. Uh, it's a great way to uh, put together the things that you do want to read. And then also social sharing. 
those articles to maybe your colleagues and peers. So those are the ways I do it. Uh, certainly not the best ways, but um, I found that that's, you know, and I'm always struggling to keep up with the information that's going on, but those are the ways I do it. No, that's great. And you, you're right. There's always more to read than it seems we have time for, but right. I like this idea of emailing yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, all right. So just to wrap up, um, you know, what are the best places for people to find out more or to connect with you? Uh, there's many ways. I don't have. Uh, there, there are not a lot of firewalls between me and you. So um, uh, you could you could text me. Uh, that's a very fast way. Uh, uh, very easy. Six three zero eight four two six one two three. You could direct message me on my Twitter handle. Uh, I have to set the expectations that my Twitter handle has not been treated well in the past. So I, I'm reawakening that handle. And then uh, my email, just my first initial last name, Tiali at yourmembership.com. And uh, or just you know if you see me and you just want to pick up a conversation. I'm, I'm usually around in industry conferences, Tagoras events, things like that. Well, great. Well, thanks so much for taking time to talk with me today, Tamer. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Celise. It's always an honor. and I appreciate your time. So that wraps up our interview with Tamer Ali of YM Learning. I'll mention again as we're dialing out here that uh, your membership and YM Learning are sponsors of the upcoming Learning Technology Design event or LTD that we'll be holding this spring. And to get more information about that, just go to ltd.leadinglearning.com. To get show notes for this episode, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 33. And while you're there, you'll see options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're enjoying what you hear, we would be very grateful if you would subscribe. And we say this every time, but you know we do hope that you will share the podcast with others. Um, and we also hope that you will give us a rating on iTunes. All you have to do is go to leadinglearning.com forward slash iTunes. And by doing that, you're going to make it more possible for others to find out that the Leading Learning podcast is actually out there. And, you know, you'll also make us feel better that people are out there listening and value what we're doing. And to help with telling others about the podcast, you can send out a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com slash share. Or if tweeting isn't your thing, you can uh, take the auto-populated text from from that URL and share it on your network of, of choice. Or you can put into your own words how you feel about the Leading Learning Podcast. So thanks again as always, and we will see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.